the way that I kind of jumped into CrossFit, I jumped in without any foundation for lifting. Um, and I was just naturally, I wouldn't say naturally strong, but I, I could figure out a way to move the weights without actually properly moving them. And it just led to a bunch of injuries from not moving as, um, well as I could have for those, you know, two or three years. And then it just got to the point where, because I, I didn't learn the way a normal person would like from the ground up, I kind of just jumped into the regional level, um, that I just, my body hurt too bad. I just had these injuries that I couldn't get through CrossFit workouts. Um, and I, uh, I just was tired of being that injured and it's not because of CrossFit. It's just the way I jumped into the sport. Um, because I was pretty good at it right off the bat. I didn't, you know, I just didn't build a foundation before doing the heavier, um, the heavier lifts, the higher skill gymnastics movements. Hi, my name is Scott Switzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear, love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus masters age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale fitness and friends podcast. Thanks for checking us out. RX mark your jump ropes, the best jump ropes in the business, our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Markier jump ropes by going to rxmarkier.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, you can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles. You can make those whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxmarkier.com. Use Clydesdale15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals and special editions, but check that out, uh, it's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile, every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury jump rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile, and you may be our next winner. Thanks. Okay, can we talk about the most delicious protein bars ever made? They have 20 grams of protein, no added sugar. The macros are phenomenal, like 200 calories. They are delicious, like a treat. Can't believe that the macros are the way they are and that the nutrients are what they are because they taste like a candy bar. Um, and I know my candy bars pretty well. I'm like a Snickers type of person. There's no aftertaste. They have so many flavors to choose from. If you don't, if you're not a fan of the caramel cashew, they've got salty peanut. They have a 
hazelnut nougat. They've got a chocolate dough, a crispy fudge, um, cookies and cream, white chocolate almond. They're all delicious, but check them out at bearbells.com and uh, try some for yourself. You won't be sorry. They're delicious. Totally awesome. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I was like, hey, wait, um, I usually see that little button there. There we go. Okay, there we go. Okay, so I am Scott. I'm the Clydesdale. This is Kat. She's my co-host, and we have Alex Lachance with us. She is a multi-sport athlete. Uh, she is an all-American gymnast, a CrossFit Games athlete, and a national champion Olympic lifter. And we're so excited to have her on today. So, Alex, we're going to start with the most important topic, and that is your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have two dogs. I do. And it Lady and Ace. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so what kind of dogs are they? Uh, Ace is a rescue. He is a mix of a Collie, um, German Shepherd, and Terrier. And then Lady is a pure Rhodesian Ridgeback. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very, they're both very beautiful. I've seen them on your Instagram. You're very proud of them. I am. Um, <laughs> so how, how long have you had them? I've had Lady for going on six years and Ace is like two and a half years old now. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I just got a puppy this weekend um, and it's part Yorkie Terrier and Shih Tzu. Oh, um, tiny. <laughs> and I usually like bigger dogs, but I'm already in love. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so. Those are the best. All right. So where, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York, actually, New Windsor, New York, so upstate New York, right above the city. Oh, wow, cool. Mm -hmm. um, and what was that like? Um, I trained my whole life, so I was a gymnast. We actually had a, uh, my parents owned a gym there, a gymnastics school, um, and I just did gymnastics all day long until I went to college, pretty much, so that, that was kind of the childhood. So I, I think I heard you say that in, in another podcast that you started gymnastics as soon as you could walk. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like two or you know, two years old, whatever. And so I'm sure that was convenient since your parents owned a gymnastics gym. How long did your, I know your mom is a coach. Did she stay your coach for a long time or did you eventually go with someone else? Uh, so she was my one gymnastics coach that I had my entire life until I went to college and I did gymnastics for the university of Arkansas. And then that was the first time, you know, having another coach. So. so, so what was that like ha having your mom as your main coach? Um, it's probably a different kind of, um, you know, mother daughter relationship, you know, not, not the norm, you know, she was my coach. Um, and yeah, she was just, she was a coach and she was yeah. coach like kind of 24 seven. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. not did, your you typical siblings? mom. I do did have, have uh, two younger sisters. Yeah. And did they also join in with the gymnastics activities? They did not um, to the extent that I did, um, but they were both competitive and they were both really successful. They just didn't do it in college. Um, my one sister went to Harvard for pole vaulting and then my other sister went to the University of Arkansas as well for uh, pole vaulting. Um, but they did gymnastics up until college. Wow, very athletic family. Yeah. Ex explosive athletes there. Yeah. So, um... So what was it like being a gymnast growing up? How many, like how many hours a day did you train? Um, what were the meets like when you were younger? Um, so 
gymnastics is kind of like a full-time sport. You know, if you do gymnastics competitively, that's kind of all that you do like every single day. Um, so I do gymnastics for probably like two hours before school. And then I'd go to school part-time and then um, leave school a little bit early and then train for a couple more hours in the evening, you know, do homework and then go to bed. Um, competitions were kind of all over the country um, every couple of weeks. So I'd just go with my mom or, you know, sometimes it'd be a family thing. Um, and I don't know, I was always very nervous when I competed. So I don't really remember much besides being nervous and then just focusing on trying to do the best that I can. But um, that was kind of it until I went to college. <laughs> so, so at what point did you know you were good enough to compete on the college level? Um, I think that's kind of what everyone hopes and expects. And you kind of just plan for it happening. Um, if you're going to national, you know, the national championships competitively or uh, like consistently year after year, then you just assume um, if you're one of the top athletes in the country, you assume that you, you have a shot at least at, you know, getting a scholarship somewhere for some school. And you went to Arkansas. That, that's a far cry from New York. It is. I like the South a lot. Um, they had a brand new gymnastics facility. It was the best gymnastics facility in the country. So that was kind of um, the biggest draw. And the year that I went was the first year that they had a senior class. So it was a brand new program. So it was a really cool opportunity to be, you know, there as they kind of built the program from the ground up, as opposed to going someplace that had, you know, like a big history of uh, gymnastics. So it was cool to be like one of the first um, All-American gymnasts that they've ever had and kind of be, you know, you know, more of the, one of the firsts there. So that was pretty cool. And they, they ended up becoming a pretty big powerhouse in gymnastics, right? Yeah. And they're really good right now too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a gymnastics expert, but I thought I saw something where they had really turned into a big powerhouse in the gymnastics world. Yeah. We were uh, fifth in the country my senior year when I graduated. So they're doing really well. Yeah. So when you left gymnastics, um, I, I'm sure it left a void. You know, you practiced before school, after school. I was a high school and college swimmer. So I kind of had the same schedule where you went a couple hours before school, a couple hours after. And when you leave that sport, it's, it's a big hole. And so I think I read that you started filling that void with um, like bodybuilding exercises, working out at the gym and some fit, fitness modeling. Yeah. So I had all this time, you know, like an extra seven hours a day that I wasn't training um, gymnastics now. So <clears throat> I kept working out and I just needed a different purpose for it and bodybuilding and a combination of, you know, gymnastics conditioning that I was used to. Um, I would just do that all day because it was fun. Like the gym was like a playground for me. And then I kind of just fell into some fitness modeling, writing articles for magazines, and then kind of doing like the, the photo shoots that go along with it. And that was kind of fun for a little while. And then I wanted to compete again. So, so, so I, I want to talk about kind of body image during that time. Cause you, you made some statements about when fitness modeling, they said your legs were too big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and that the, that was the type of workouts you enjoyed is making your legs big. And so you had to kind of make a decision at that point as to what you wanted to do, whether, whether stay in the fitness modeling or move to something else. Yeah, I think, um, 
I would say I just enjoyed lifting weights and I have the genetics to put on muscle, like the way that I eat and the genetics that I have. Um, if I lift weights and I eat food, I'm going to put on muscle. That's just kind of how my body works. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I kind of just decided that it was more fun to do the actual working out part than try to look a certain way. And then I found CrossFit where, you know, the goal is to be as strong and as fast as possible. And that was much more, um, in alignment with what I was trying to do or what was fun for me. So so I also read that you had suffered from an eating disorder for nine years, Mm -hmm. kind of coming into the CrossFit space and nutrition is so important for energy and things like that. How, how did that affect, and I don't want to get into details of the eating disorder, (laughs) stuff like that. I just, I just want to have kind of a basis of, of what you were looking at coming into CrossFit. Um, How did that impact your performance in CrossFit? Um, I would say that I'm surprised that I did as well as I did in CrossFit with how I was eating um, and not eating. (laughs) Um, Definitely, I didn't have the information to eat the way that I should have. But then also I had a lot of um, body image issues that kept me from probably eating the way that I should have as well. So I think if your, your nutrition isn't there, then your success in something is going to be pretty short lived because you can only recover, like you can only recover to a certain extent if you're not eating food or if you're overtraining. And I was doing both of those things pretty heavily. Um, so th- if I only knew then what I know now, I would pr- have been like a completely different athlete, but, um, yeah, I would say that I could have done a lot better in CrossFit and, probably survived the sport a lot better if I had been eating the way that I should have, but, um, I didn't know how to eat, but also I probably would have been scared to eat the way that I eat now, um, back then. So definitely does not help to under eat when you're, you know, trying to compete at regionals and the games and things like that. Yeah. I actually was diagnosed with an eating disorder last year. Um, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum with binging and stuff like that. Um, and so I know the mental, game that is, um, and trying to overcome that. So you enter the CrossFit world and it is almost instant success. Like four months after you start CrossFit, you're on a team that's going to regionals. The following year you go as an individual and you win regionals and then you go to the games. So what was that feeling like to like jump into a sport and do so well, so fast? Um, I think at least for, you know, the first year where I went, you know, I was a couple months in and I went team. That was just really fun. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was really cool to be part of a team again, to be, you know, training with other people, competing with other people. So that was a blast. And then I would say the next year when I qualified as an individual, I was way over my head. I had no idea what was going on. I was super not prepared for any of, you know, that level of competition or, um, how to survive a day at the games. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I was very overwhelmed. Um, it was very cool to like make it, but I, uh, probably shouldn't have, (laughs) like, I wasn't, I just wasn't ready for that. Uh, I didn't know what was going on, but, um, 
you know, it was really fun the first year before that when I was doing it with people. But um, when you're that inexperienced in a new sport and you're individual and, you know, kind of just like thrown into the, the big competition, that was, that was a lot to take in. Um, I was not ready for that. So, so at regionals, it was kind of a, a gymnastics dominant regional that year. Yes. The handstand walk took a lot of people out. And yeah. that's something that you excelled at. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that helped me at regionals was that I had no expectations. I did not think I was going to do well, and I wasn't competing with anybody. I literally went in and just didn't even notice what was going on around me, and I just did the workouts at my own pace and, you know, did well for me, had no idea what was going on, like didn't know, you know, what other people were doing, and I just kind of stayed in my lane and ended up doing well um, and was fortunate that it was a high-skill competition, you know, um, with Olympic lifting and gymnastics, but yeah, it, it, it didn't seem like a big deal. Cause I just went in and just did the workouts the way that I could without any, you know, consideration of what anyone else was doing in either lane next to me. And, and if people aren't aware, it was the North central region, which is traditionally a stacked region that you won. Uh, so that's pretty awesome too. Then you get to the games and you get so sick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was so bad. Um, I had never swum um, in the ocean before. It was my first time in um, like a, a large body of water. And it was the, I don't remember what the event was now, but we swam a lot. It was like thrusters, burpees, and then like a lot of swimming. And I just drank water. I just drank ocean water for like 40 minutes. However long that event lasted, I just like every time I like put my head underwater to like do a stroke, I just like gulped in just so much water. And I threw up for the next three days. I didn't, I couldn't eat food or drink water for the rest of the games after the first day. It was very rough. <laughs> I was so sick. There's no way to perform <laughs> under those conditions. No, it was so hot and I couldn't drink water or eat food. And it was so hot there. Um, so it was rough. It was, a, it was a super rough couple days. But kind of a <laughs> what, testament. What year, is this, what year is this we're talking about? 2014. 14, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, a, te a testament to you is you finished the games. I didn't know what else to do. I was there by myself. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, wow. I, I had no idea what to do. I just was like, well, I'm here. I guess might as well go to the, you know, start line. <laughs> Did you have a coach? Did you have a coach that year? Um, I, I, um, kind of did, um, not really at the games. Okay. So you were sort of, you were literally on your own. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Wow. And so you, you went to the games and, um, what was it like? Other than the sickness, did you, did you get to meet a lot of people? Cause you were so new to the sport. Like what was the community like? I mean, everyone was super nice. Um, I was not ready for that level of, I mean, the girls that go there are generally very experienced and like really hardcore and out to like be as competitive as possible. And I was just like, you guys can go like out there ahead of me. I'm just going to like hang back here. Um, I mean, everyone was really nice. I was overwhelmed. I don't think I really talked to anybody. I was just like throwing up in the bathroom between events. Um, 
yeah, that's kind of my game's experience. Just being like really hot, really thirsty and throwing up a lot. <laughs> so, so the following year, um, I think I read somewhere that you, you were really suffering a lot with the health issues and injury issues, mm-hmm. um, some adrenal issues and that so much so that you like, you didn't even get nervous for events because your hormones were messed up and you weren't even feeling the adrenaline of the event. That's got to feel weird for an athlete who has performed their whole life and all of a sudden that gets turned off. Yeah. And I think that was the point that really made me kind of realize that I needed to get my nutrition in check and I needed to start um, eating. Um, Because if you go that many years not eating food and training, like at the games level, at, you know, at an elite level, um, your body can't handle that you know, to a certain point. Um, and yeah, my body got really messed up and I, I pushed through it for a really long time until everything kind of just stopped working. And then, um, you know, like the injuries, like I wasn't recovering from injuries because I wasn't eating, I was overtraining. Um, my hormones got all messed up, so I wasn't sleeping. So it was just kind of like a big snowball effect. And then finally, um, the injuries got so bad, the hormones got so messed up that I was just like, I need to take a couple of months and just like stop working out, get healthy, you know, just, just, you know, feel like a person again, because I was just, I was in a bad place um, at that point. Did you, did you have a support system that was sort of Identify helping you identify these sort of issues and, and tactics, or was it just something from within that sort of made you think like I need to change? Um, I was kind of I I I realized that what I was doing with the people that I was training with wasn't working, so then I kind of shifted over to a, a different support system, um, and then things started getting a little bit more on track, but yeah, I needed to just switch gears a little bit. Um, but yeah, I had, I had some, you know, good people helping me when I made the switch. That's awesome. Cause you need that support system to get through things like that. And that's what I've learned in the last six months is you have to have a good support system around you. Um, so part of that overtraining was you were not only doing CrossFit the normal season, but you had started doing grid as well. So you really didn't even have an off season. Yeah. Um, Right after coming back from the games, I drove to uh, Arizona and then we started grid camp, training camp. Um, So there was no off season. It was from like, you know, dying at the games and then, you know, driving to start like a whole new training season and, um, you know, ramping up for grid, which was just like max everything, like max weight, max speed just like very intense. And it was just like matches after matches. So you're going like 120% every couple of days with, you know, the days in between the matches, you were kind of like learning the workout. So you're testing the workouts, trying out for the workout. So it was just, it wasn't great. Like that's not really how a season should go. It was so much fun. Um, and I love doing it, but from a health perspective, like probably not ideal for recovery or, you know, trying to maximize performance in any way. So my co-host is one of the biggest grid geeks in the world. I love grid. (laughs) It it. was fun. 
I worked, I worked as a griddler on, in one of the combines where when you do the ladders, I was like the person that would straighten the barbells out and put them <laughs> back in line. And, oh, I had so much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, I mean, I miss grid a lot. My body yeah. couldn't handle it anymore, but I do miss grid. I, I wanted to do it. I was convinced that when there was that master's requirement, you had to have like an older athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm, they're totally going to pick me like as their <laughs> gymnastics person. I could do handstand pushups all day. That's awesome. It was a fantasy, of course. <laughs> so you ended up um, two years with Phoenix and then one mm-hmm. year with the DC Brawlers. And Justin Kotler is a, a friend of our show. Um, and what was it like being under him? Because he's kind of known as a really good um, emotional support coach. Yeah, he was definitely my favorite grid coach. Um, and that team was just a lot of fun to be on. Um, but I was a big fan of the way he spoke to us and kind of the, the way he motivated it, uh, motivated us um, and all that. So that was a good time. Was that the most fun year you had in grid? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And you won, right? No, that was oh. the year that Phoenix oh. won. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> I know. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty ironic. <laughs> so Brawlers was 15 then? Was Brawlers in 15 and Phoenix in 16? Um, yeah, whatever the last year that we had grid was Phoenix, and then the two years before it was Brawlers. Was Marcus Philly still on the team at that point? Um, was he was Marcus was with Phoenix. I don't know yeah. if he was there on the last year. Okay, I'm not sure. What a what a cool concept. I, I mean, yeah, really fun. It's it's a shame it was such at odds with CrossFit. You know, in terms of they couldn't sort of make things blend together. And I hope someday something like that can, can materialize again. It sounds like with some of the things they're planning for the off season now with these competitions in the off season, that there's going to be some kind of opportunity for you guys to, you know, make more money and, and all that. But that was, that was cool. Yeah. That was a cool idea. So at what point when you were doing all this overtraining and all, all that stuff with CrossFit and your body is breaking down, did you lose the passion for CrossFit and know that you wanted to switch to Olympic lifting? I wouldn't say that I lost any kind of passion for CrossFit. I just, um, my, the way that I kind of jumped into CrossFit, I jumped in without any foundation for lifting. Um, and I was just naturally, I wouldn't say naturally strong, but I, I could figure out a way to move the weights without actually properly moving them. And it just led to a bunch of injuries from not moving as, um, well as I could have for those, you know, two or three years. And then it just got to the point where, because I, I didn't learn the way a normal person would like from the ground up, I kind of just jumped into the regional level, um, that I just, my body hurt too bad. I just had these injuries that I couldn't get through CrossFit workouts. Um, and I, uh, I just was tired of being that injured. And it's not because of CrossFit. It's just the way I jumped into the sport um, because I was pretty good at it right off the bat. I didn't, you know, I just didn't build a foundation before doing the heavier, um, the heavier lifts, the higher skill gymnastics movements. Um, And then, you know, weightlifting, when you're doing that sport, everything is, you know, you're moving to be as perfect as possible. And Um, It's just a lot, even though the weight is heavier and you're doing more repetitions of the same movements, um, it's just a little bit easier on your body because you're moving as well as possible. And, you know, CrossFit, you're going to move however you have to move ultimately to win the event or, you know, to get the best time because that's the sport. Like 
Um, and I was probably too willing to break my body to do well in CrossFit. And then it just got to the point where like, it was affecting like my daily life. Like it hurt to walk, to move. I couldn't like lift my arm. I couldn't bend over, you know, all these little things that just added up and it was just too much, just hurt too much. So, so growing up as a gymnast, you kind of have to fight through the pain of all that work you put in day in and day out. Did that condition you to be that way in CrossFit to kind of fight through it? I think that's just how I am. I think I would be like that with, um, it's kind of how my mom raised me. We're just, she just raised us to be really tough. And you just, if you have a job, you just do it no matter how it feels, you know, and you do it as well as you can. So I just probably took that to the extreme a little bit because I I try to do everything as well as I possibly can. So, So so I, I want to ask you, was there any mental um, issue with you leaving CrossFit or, or did Olympic lifting immediately fill the void? Um, I would say I was really excited to do weightlifting, but it was the hardest part was probably the way other people reacted to me doing that. And I, I was probably the first time I ever received a lot of negativity through like social media and people um, basically, which is so silly because it doesn't have anything to do with anybody, but, you know, people calling me a quitter and taking the easy way out and, you know, just like, I'm, st- I'm just moving to another sport. Like I'm not going to like quit and like lay down on the couch and like eat potato chips all day. <laughs> like, um, but that was the first time I was like, wow, people can be really mean. This is like, this is pretty tough. And Um, because of how I did at regionals, I I had like some more exposure on social media and I I got a handful of followers um, from that. So yeah, there's like a lot of mean people on social media. And that was the first time switching over to weightlifting was the first time that I really experienced that. And I was kind of blown away. And, you know, that was probably the hardest part about making the switch was just hearing what other people thought about it and them saying that to me, which is crazy. But yeah, people were mean. Yeah, like we're, we're nowhere in the realm of followers that you have. But, you know, when we started this podcast, I never expected the negative feedback at times that we get. We get a lot of positive. You know, it's probably 95% positive, but you get those couple trolls and, you're just, and it beats you down and you, you just can't let it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always shocked that people like would it would matter to them enough to actually say that to you. Like, why does it matter yeah. what? Like, why do you care that I'm moving a barbell and not doing butterfly pull-ups anymore? Like, and how- they don't even know you personally. No, you know, it's not like your cousin or your yeah. you know, your brother. It's like a perfect stranger. Yeah, it's so strange to me. <laughs> I read one of your quotes where you were like, when you when you're in when your social media was just your follower, like your support system like your friends, there was never any negativity. I know. And then when you yeah. bring in all these people that have no idea who you are is when the negativity starts. Yeah. I think people just view people on Instagram as not real people. And I think once you hit a certain number of followers, people just don't, they forget you're like a human, you know, and the way they talk to you, they just forget that it doesn't feel great to be spoken to that way. Right. But- We're going to take a short break from our interview to tell you about our newest sponsor, Up Before You Coffee. They are an amazing coffee. It is delicious, has different little notes of chocolate and things like that. Um, And it's really clean and crisp uh, when you drink it in the morning. 
uh, but they have a light roast. Uh, they also have a medium roast, as you can see there. Um, we are so excited about the sponsor sponsorship. Uh, if you use Clydesdale 20, all caps, Clydesdale 20, you can get 20% off your order. Just go to upbeforeyou.com and uh, order your coffee. It's delicious. You'll love it. So, so you move into Olympic lifting and you start working with Max. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be like a chemistry between the two of you as a coach and an athlete. Um, so much so that you actually start working for him. Yeah. He gets me um, really well the way, like my, the way I view training and competing, like he gets it. And um, he's the most awesome weightlifting coach, I think um, in the country, I think he's the best. So um, I really liked him as a coach. And then I wanted to learn as much as I could from him um, as a coach and as an athlete. So I just moved over there and started working for him. Yeah. And just to give a full shout out, it's Max Aida, right? Is that Ada. pronounced Ada? I know. So the first two years that I worked with him, I called him Aida. And he, one day we were in a, it was like a podcast or something. He's like, that is not my name. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I've been saying it wrong for two years, but it's Ada. Okay. Yeah. Max Ada. We want to give him yeah. a problem. And he is the owner of Juggernaut? No. Just, so just Chad... Chad Wesley Smith is the owner of Juggernaut. Max is um, the head weightlifting coach um, okay. of Juggernaut and also owns his own gym in Oakland, California called Max's Gym. Good name. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows. Yep, right to the point. <laughs> so, so when you jumped into weightlifting, how long did it take you to kind of, did, did you, how long did it take you to, to get good? to where you were doing the American Open and that you were, you were finishing well and PRing your lifts consistently? Um, I, I mean, I started right off with the national level competition. So um, I, just, I just jumped right into that. But um, I PR'd every, I PR'd in some way every single competition up until this past nationals for the last couple of years. Like I, this nationals that we had, it was very weird. It was an online Zoom thing. Um, that was the first kind of bad competition that I had where I, I, I wasn't really in great shape going into it, but then I also like just didn't perform well. Um, that was the first time I hadn't PR'd in some way. And then now this most recent competition, um, I dealt with a lot of injuries over the last year, but I, I did really well. I was two kilos off my best ever um, performance at this competition this past weekend, but yeah, up until the past two meets, I've PR'd something <laughs> every single time. So Max is a great coach. He's, he's excellent. That is incredible. So I uh, personally, I have followed your career a little bit. Um, I work the Arnold every year as a security <laughs> guard and, um, and when I'm not escorting the bodybuilders to the stage, I come over to the lifting platform and watch you guys lift. And I just, I've been a fan for so long because of the way you react <laughs> after every lift. Like oh. it means so much to you and the way you jump around, the way you jump into Max's arms. <laughs> um, it's just one of the coolest things if you've never seen it live, uh, just how pumped up you get. Yeah, it's like, it's just a really special thing to be able to compete as an adult 
and then um, have everything come together on the platform. You only have, you know, three attempts at a snatch, three attempts at a queen and jerk to kind of show for all of the training that you do. And when it comes together, like in those moments, like it is the coolest feeling ever. Yeah. And it starts right from your setup. Like you, you have this, this rhythm and this cadence about your setup uh, where you, you stomp your feet, you tighten the belt, you jump down in. Um, it's just, it's just a really intense sport. And, <laughs> and my, my best friend actually competed at the Arnold one year, not on the big stage, but in one of the smaller stages. And it was so fun to watch him too. Like, it's just, it's, it's all about that, like three seconds. Uh-huh. Right. And, and so it's so cool. So have you found like, this seems to be a big passion of yours. Now you're coaching it, you're, uh-huh. you're doing it. Um, are you glad you made the switch? Oh, I'm so glad. I, I love the technique. Um, I love teaching it. I love working on it. Um, it brings me a lot more satisfaction to move as perfectly as possible um, compared to how it feels to go as hard as I can in a workout. Um, I love the feeling in CrossFit where you know you just, you attacked the workout this exactly the way you should have and um, kind of had the right strategy to go as hard as possible. Like that's very fulfilling. Um, but then it's almost like for weightlifting, it's more tangible, like you're hitting specific numbers Um, and if you hit them in a certain way, like that is the coolest feeling ever for me and teaching that and, um, helping people with technique and seeing their technique change is just like a really cool feeling. It's like a cool thing to see. It's a cool thing to witness and be a part of. Um, so I'm super happy I made the switch. Well, I think I read that you're, you're somewhat of a perfectionist. Yeah. So that matches that perfect technique that you're striving for. And mat- matches that personality trait you have. Um, I-, I would say there's no better feeling in the world than landing a snatch in the squat and knowing that all you have to do is stand it up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like that it, to me is like the greatest feeling in the world. I mean, I've got like tree trunks for legs. So if I can, if I can catch it, I'm going to stand it up. Um, it's just catching it that's hard for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> So Alex, um, weightlifting is a, a weight-based sport, you know, kind of like wrestling in terms of weight classes and things. Has has that been difficult for you to sort of reconcile with? Have you played around with different weight classes? Does that sort of get in your head at all? Um, it's one of the reasons why I have probably not considered doing weightlifting because of the whole, like, how much should I weigh to be as competitive as possible? How does that play into your strategy? So for the first couple of years, um, I think for anyone coming into a new sport like weightlifting, you just try to get a str- eat and try to get as strong as you can um, until you feel like you can, like until it's worth cutting to another weight class. Like if you're going to be winning nationals or like making international teams or something like that. Um, if you're just going to compete, just eat and be normal. And then whatever weight class you fall into, just compete at that weight class. And that's what I did for the first couple of years. Um, I was fortunate that the weight class that I was in was a little bit heavier than what I normally walked around at. So I could kind of just be normal. Um, the weight class underneath would, would have been, um, it wouldn't have made sense to cut down to because the top 
numbers, like the top lifts in both weight classes were the same. So it kind of didn't matter which one you were at. So, um, I just ate and, and I was, um, in a place with my nutrition where I could do that, where I could eat. And, um, I, I wasn't as concerned with how I looked and I was actually focusing on performance. And then now, um, they changed the weight classes like two year ago, two years ago now, yeah. Corona's kind of, we like lost <laughs> the last season. So it, I guess it's two years ago now. Um, they changed the weight classes. So now I cut down a little bit. I just do a water cut before competitions. Um, so now I'm in the 71 kilo class and I walk around at about 73 eating normally. And that's like eating cookies at midnight if I want to, or like going and getting a burger and fries um, here and there. So it's like a very comfortable place to be. Um, so I'm pretty happy with the way they change the weight classes. So I, I have a question. It's more self-edification, but it is, I, I don't understand the difference between like the American Open and the national championship you won and being on an Olympic team. Okay. It's so, all weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the American Open is a series. So there's um, one American Open series, one, two, and three, and then a finals. And they're just kind of all throughout the year. And then there's a national championships, which is, um, it just has a higher total that you need to hit in order to qualify for. And then there's international teams that you can qualify for if you get enough points based on a really complicated equation. And there's just like a lot of things that go into that. Um, and there's different competitions you can qualify for on Team USA. And then the Olympics is its own thing. It's even more complicated. Um, the weight class I'm in is not an Olympic sport or uh, it's not an Olympic weight class. Um, so that's not anything I am going to worry. Like it's not something I need to worry about. Um, but my main goal is to qualify for international teams. So like the Pan Am team um, and kind of just represent Team USA in different competitions, you know, internationally. Okay. I think that makes sense that the Olympics yeah. are just something different. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so my next question was going to be your goals, but so you kind of answered that there with the international teams. Um, that be, so how, how much would you travel the world if you made the international team? Well, so I, right before COVID, I actually qualified, I actually qualified for my first team, the Pan Am team. Um, and I was very excited about that. That was a huge deal. And then it got canceled and, you know, everything got shut down and then I've dealt with a lot of injuries and then we needed to pretty much requalify, like earn your spot back at, um, the nationals. That was a couple months ago and I did not do well. Um, and I lost my spot at that competition. So the goal would be to just, you know, keep doing that, but, um, you know, whatever I can qualify for, I'll go to, um, the competitions are kind of all over and they're all kind of, um, and they're just kind of all throughout the year, just randomly. So my last question before we get into kind of a rapid fire piece of, of our show is on Valentine's Day, you made something Instagram official. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Old they, move. big move. <laughs> and that you are dating one Mr. Dan Bailey. Never yeah. heard of him. Who's that? Yeah. So I one thing I have to bring up is I was listening to a podcast and I think it was from like 2017 or something. And they asked you if you were starstruck at the games. 
and oh you gosh said, and I, you said i don't remember this at all okay oh, so, and your answer was uh i wasn't so much starstruck everybody was welcoming but i went to get on the elevator and dan bailey knew who i was <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> and he's famous <laughs> I don't remember that at all. That is That's priceless. amazing. That's so when I heard that, I was like, I just started rolling. Because at that point, you definitely weren't dating. No. <laughs> wow. And I hope, and I was like, I hope he doesn't hear it because he'll bring that up over and over to her that I'm famous and oh I knew your gosh. name. <laughs> wow. Yeah, let's not let him hear that. <laughs> That's too good. Yeah, wow, it was okay. it was really really funny. Uh, so, how did you guys meet? Um, just Instagram, like kind of the way people meet during Corona, I guess. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's very random. It's not something I expected to happen by any means. Yeah, it it it's cool for me because I follow both of your careers. I'm fans of both of you, and and so it was really cool to see. You are living in Columbus now. Yeah. So I, I moved over to Columbus. All my work is online. So um, California was a little bit of a disaster with, you know, the gym shutting down and um, it was just an expensive place to be when your like main source of income, like coaching in a gym and, you know, training people in a gym is just not um, dependable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like there's a lot of people that just want to stay home, don't really want to, and like, it's, it's better now, but back when I was deciding that I probably need to move just um, to have a little more financial stability, move everything online. And if you're online, there's no point in being someplace so expensive as, right. you know, the Bay Area. And so I've noticed that you're working out at CrossFit Bexley. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I live in Columbus. So I, my, if, if I was to go into work, I work at the airport in an old airplane okay. hangar right near Bexley. We actually go to Bexley for lunch all the time. Oh, <laughs> but um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, I also want to make sure that we get in that, that you have a lot of training um, options available for people to sign up with. Mm -hmm. And on your link tree on Instagram, you have them all listed. I think there's like 207 different training opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a quite a bit. <laughs> uh, so not only Olympic lifting, but you do like individual video coaching where you'll mm -hmm. assess a video. Um, you do gymnastics coaching still. Uh, for mm -hmm. CrossFit. Oh, um, I need that. I'm so <laughs> and I know that, that you have a success rate of getting people their first muscle up mm. that is really high. Um, and you used to post those on Instagram with like, uh, with circle, like you had your little telestrator, like pointing where and what needs to happen. And, and you do yeah. a really good job with that. So I want to make sure everybody knows where to get that if they're interested in joining you uh, in your coaching. And again, there's like, there's a midline work, like midline stuff like glutes and hams and abs, there's gymnastics, there's everything. So uh, your Instagram handle is? Alex Lachance Training. Okay. Yep. And I then, switched it over from No Pants. I know, <laughs> No Pants Lachance. That was I my know. favorite. I know you're, you're growing up. I need adulting. to be an I need to be an adult now. <laughs> my my Instagram handle used to be Kathy Cakes. 
And it was a nickname that like an ex-boyfriend gave me 25, 30 years ago. And I just decided to change it to CrossFit Coach Cat because it just, again, we're, you know, we're grownups now. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Oh, gosh. um, That are are just fun. Uh, Quick answers. Nothing, nothing big. Uh, And Cat's going to lead that off. Yeah. So in your downtime, what is your favorite thing to do with the puppers? I like to take them out and let them just be psychos outside. It was like my number one favorite thing to do is to watch them just terrorize each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love going to the, I used to take mine to the dog park all the time. And my husband did not enjoy going with us for whatever reason. And I thought, what is wrong with you? Like watching dogs be dogs. Oh my gosh. Like the coolest thing to observe ever. I could do it all day. I could watch them be crazy all day. Yep. I love it. Okay. Snatch or clean and jerk snatch and you have a favorite power lift i'm not very good at power. i'm not very strong like i'm efficient but i'm not very no but for real i'm not very strong with the squats and the deadlifts and things like that i just move really well so like my max lifts are pretty much almost my max squats and my max deadlift um yeah i don't know i guess squats because i've improved a lot on those okay so what is your favorite cheat meal? Mm, I really like cake. Um, after every competition, <laughs> after every competition, I usually get nachos. Um, but then cake is kind of like my go-to. Like if I just cake for lots of frosting. So more Favorite? the frosting than the flavor of the cake? Mm, usually vanilla frosting. And I can like oh. eat it with a spoon. I could eat a, you know, two jars of frost. It's so bad. <laughs> I love, I really like frosting. <laughs> That's great. Uh, do you have a favorite gymnastics uh, discipline when you were competing? Um, like event? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say bars was my favorite before college. And then you get to college and um, you're on a team and everyone needs to have the same bar setting. So like the high bar and the oh. low bar have to be set in a certain way. And I'm a head taller than like any gymnast you'll find. Everyone's really short. I'm five, six. Um, so that made the bars challenging in college. Um, so then I would say switched over. My favorite would be beam because it was the most um, mentally nerve wracking. But then I ended up being all American on that event. So it was like from my most terrifying event, I ended up being the most successful on it. So yeah, I would say that's, that's my favorite. Yeah, I, I was, get I get nervous watching beam. I just, oh you know. that's so stressful it's that's that's kind of odd because every gymnast we've had on that's a crossfitter they've been a power athlete it's been the floor and the vault and for you it's the other two it's that's interesting yeah i love that how about a favorite crossfit movement not an olympic lift i really liked flying on the rings doing muscle ups ring muscle ups was my favorite probably okay your favorite place to go in columbus Hmm. I don't know. I have, I, I have not really done anything like crazy fun here yet. Mostly just work and training for this competition that I had. So I don't know how will be to be determined probably. So, so explain to me what the SLC was because we didn't even get to say that it was, that what it's called? Salt Lake, Salt Lake city. Sorry. Salt Lake city. Yeah. And you, you won three gold medals. You yeah, went six so, for six. Mm-hmm. 
that was the American Open Series one. So the first competition of the series. And then um, the next competition that we have as of right now with, you know, COVID and everything going on will be nationals, um, which will be in June. That'll be a big one. Okay. So. And the Salt Lake City one, there were people that were actually in Salt Lake, but most of the competitors were just at their home gyms. In, yeah. That- so they, it was, it was kind of strange. They gave you the option of doing it in person or doing it online via zoom. And then they kind of merged the two together. So you'd have like someone lifting in Salt Lake city on the platform. And then the next person would be like up on the screen from zoom. Um, so it was interesting. Like, I'm glad they're finding ways to let us compete because if you don't compete, it just gets like this last meet that we did, we were so rusty because we hadn't competed in so long. Um, you just need to keep doing it to kind of remember that feeling and remember how to handle the day. Yeah. Are you uh, more of a morning person or a night owl? I want to be a morning person, but I have, <laughs> but I usually stay up too late to do that. Um, but in general, I prefer to wake up early and, and get started with work and stuff early, not to the extent that Dan is cause he gets up at like 4am. Um, but I'm really happy if I can get up around like 6.30. Okay. And speaking of Dan, is he uh, romantic and spontaneous? <laughs> He's wonderful. He's the best human I've ever met. <laughs> That's sweet. I'll tell you that we do these questions in advance, obviously, and they're written down for me. And I was supposed to ask you the Dan question first. And then I was supposed to ask you early mornings or late nights. And I thought, I'm probably going to switch those around so that we're not talking about <laughs> the same thing. So I switched the oh. order of those. They're a little bit more PG. You're welcome. Appreciate <laughs> right. that. Here is the most fun question, I think. And that is, if Nike came to you and said, we want you to design a, a weightlifting shoe, what would the color wave be? Um... I don't know. I'm just not like a shoe person. I don't really like, I don't know. Blue is my favorite color for sure. So some kind of something blue. Okay. Do you wear, do you wear Nike lifters now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Ramaleos, they are, um, I, they're my favorite. They're really heavy and they, I mean, I use the twos. I don't really like the newer ones, but the older, older mm-hmm. ones are heavy and they have a really high heel and um, I like to feel like I have like bricks on my feet when I lift. So. At one at one time you were a Nike athlete. Are you still with them or? I'm a Fleo athlete now. Oh. Mm-hmm. For the last okay. couple of years. Well, that's yeah. cool. Um, coffee or pre-workout? Both, but a lot of, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of coffee. I like my coffee in the morning um, when I'm working and then I try not to drink it too late in the day, but I just really like coffee. So. And do you have a favorite breakfast cereal? I'm not really a cereal person. I usually do eggs and pancakes in the morning. I can get, I can get with that. Fruit on the pancakes? Mm, Syrup on the pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. chocolate chips in the pancakes maybe yes 100 percent. Yeah. yeah i hear you girl <laughs> so get, go ahead and shout out your instagram handle one more time so people can get with you if they need to, your coaching it is alex lachance training okay 
and go to our link tree. It has all of the different um, things that are available, plus some other things on there. Uh, I know there's some Fleo stuff and mm -hmm. uh, some discount codes for some of the th people she's working with. So go ahead and check that out. And Alex, it's been such a fun hour. Um, yep, so glad you came me. on. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.